Hello, my friends, Nick Labretti here for JR Cigars. And here at JR, we are passionate about everything. You want cigars? We're passionate about Romeo, Monte Cristo, Aging Room. You're passionate about cigar cutters, lighters? We have everything. We are passionate about life here at JR Cigars and only here at JR Cigars. Did, did we get it? I'm not sure. What do you mean you're not sure? I'm out here busting my hump. I got Mike guy in here. Get this freaking camera out of the way. At JR Cigars, we're passionate about everything. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen. It is uh, episode 342 of Smoke Night Live. Please hit that share button, hit that like button, subscribe to the show. It really does uh, help us out a ton. On tonight's show, we're going to discuss uh, the Prideful Goat with Christopher Hart of uh, the Whiskey Neat Podcast. And we're also going to talk about uh, some of the interesting guests that he's had on his show. And at the end of the show, we will select the winner's from our high, my name is contest that we've been running what? all week long on the dojo. So you could be a winner at the end of the show, Jordan. You could be a winner, Jordan. How are you doing, my friend? I'm pretty good. How's your How's your week been? Oh, it's a, it's, it's a week. It's, You've been struggling with some technical issues. Yeah, actually, I'm trying to <laughs> do things with the show. I'm trying to do things with HTML and CSS, and it's not cooperating. My computer. I I just want to throw it in the trash what are you smoking i'm gonna be smoking a hoya antonio connecticut that is in a lonsdale i'm actually smoking a similar cigar the uh hoya numero uno i had a one up yeah yeah this is the cigar of the year a couple years ago looks like i have like a little swimming pool in the background now yeah we got a little backlighting because uh randy said that that would be a good idea and by golly i think randy was. i want one over here now yeah maybe you'll get one over there maybe next week (laughs) we can only do one one upgrade a week. Uh, let's bring in our studio audience. Studio audience, how are we doing? Scott and Matt, how oh, are you guys doing? Doing great. It's Friday night. You know, it's always good hanging out at the dojo. But uh, I got a bone to pick with you. Uh-oh. So on the uh, interwebs and the books with the faces, uh, yes. there was a little bit of a scuffle about something about you not liking Pink Floyd. <laughs> so Scott! I want to talk about that. <laughs> All right. So... Uh, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't see this topic coming up on the show, uh, but thank you, Scott, for bringing it up. Uh, here's my point on Pink Floyd, you guys. You hate Pink Floyd. No, I All don't. Right, moving I on. love, I love Pink Floyd. I am actually a fan of Pink Floyd. Uh, most people on what that, did you say? Most people on that thread didn't get the point. The point is, who hurt you? It <laughs> show me on the doll <laughs> where Pink Floyd hurt me. No, the point is the point that I was trying to make. Probably did a terrible job at it. I don't know. It's a very nuanced point. It's a very nuanced point. I am a Pink Floyd fan. When I, Scotty, when I was growing up, every night. In junior high school, when I would go to bed, I had the I had Dark Side of the Moon playing on my cassette stereo, you know, in my room. I am a major Pink Floyd fan. I think the problem, what I was trying to say is, it's amazing how most of their stuff, besides Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, and The Wall, besides those three, there's, there's not. They said there's not any. There's not very many good releases. That's they have 15 studio albums. 
15. That's a lot of albums. That's a lot of albums. And for the most part, it's just not very listenable. I mean, think about it. How many people out there in the world say like, oh, like, I don't know. I really want to sit down and listen to uh, Adam Hart Mother or whatever, right? Like nobody, right? Right. It's only those three albums. That was my only point is it's odd that there's so much material from a band, Scott. It's supposed to be one of the best bands of all time. They only have three good albums. And, and there's just three good albums. I don't even know if they have three. Well, see, but that's also the point, too, is there's a lot of bands that I consider that are really good bands. And it's one that I was thinking about when this all came up. Is it's like bands like, take, for instance, Blur. Yes. You know, a band that, you know, at least in the U.S., didn't get as much accolades as what I think they really needed. Because that's, in my opinion, a truly great band. And they've got to have a lot of great music. Whereas like Pink Floyd, yeah, you've got those three that are really grouped together, and that was a sweet spot for them, except for animals. I don't care what you say. Animals <laughs> sucked. We're moving forward. Now, there was a lot of people, Scotty, a lot of people that said, like, animals. Like, you missed one. Animals. No, they, you didn't. Here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing, guys. Animals. I, here's what I want to know. What record executive, what record executive approved that, that release? There's... Five songs on the entire album, five songs on the entire album, and two of them are only one minute long. It's literally three 18 minute long songs. It's like the most self serving, bloviating. You're only allowed like one 12 minute long song in your whole career. <laughs> they pull out three 18s on the same album? Yeah. Okay. Anyways, I love Pink Floyd. Guys, Please stop sending me personal messages. I, I just think that people aren't used to seeing like a nuanced take on on Facebook. They just see the first three words, uh, Pink Floyd sucks. What is this guy and, talking and, about? And, Pink Floyd doesn't suck? And I did not say that. I would never say that because I'm a fan. I am literally a Pink Floyd fan. And just based on Dark Side of the Moon alone, they will go down in history as one of the greatest bands of all time. Just because of that one... So one release. I, I was going to say to that point, like just those three ones that you picked is enough, right? Yes. Is that not enough? It is enough. Most bands it's just don't surprising even have that. that when you see that there's 15 albums, that, that right. the, other, sort of skewed, the other like, 12 are, so are not good. Bad ones? So I went back and did it. I've done this before, and, and I did it again to give them yet another chance. I was like, I'm going to go through the whole catalog. I'm just going to go through the whole catalog. I'm going to give them another chance. And I was just surprised. That's all. I mean, think of a, a in baseball. What if you're batting 200, Scotty? Is that's not that great? No, that's not good. I mean, that's borderline horrible. Yeah, that's not good. That's borderline horrible, right? But if you're you batting, relate these two things to sports. I mean, no, you can't totally. But I just mean, let, if you, you know, could, if yeah. you could. Now, three albums out of 15. That you're bat. That's 200. You're batting 200 at that point. Yeah, like that's not good. Like, at least would say the Beatles, right? You know, or, or Van Halen. Like, you know, almost all of it, even their bad stuff is... It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Like, well, like Led Zeppelin. Yeah, Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. Like, Zeppelin. It's hard to find a bad Led Zeppelin song. But almost all of Pink Floyd's catalog, besides those three albums, people. So, please, just <laughs> try to get the nuance of my conversation uh, all venom yeah all venom i know it's all venom yeah and somebody I, did ask how many how many great albums do the beatles have almost all of them they're almost at least i it, it really doesn't matter because pink floyd has three and to me that's enough they're fantastic all i'm saying is aren't you a little surprised that maybe there wouldn't be out of 15 
out of 15, there might be some other ones you said, you know what? Like, that's a pretty good album. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to listen to that album. But that's not the case. Like, nobody, nobody listens to any of the other albums. In fact, the, if you do, I hate you. No, <laughs> the statistics prove me, prove my point because literally most of their albums and most of the tracks get almost very little views. I mean, way smaller than even like, you know, small time bands. It's only those three albums that get the major views. I'll bet you if you, I would bet if you, you know, tallied up the entire catalog of Pink Floyd and the views that they get, 80% of it is in those three albums, at least. Maybe more. Maybe more. That's all I'm saying. Do you guys relax? Pink Floyd is great. I'm a fan. Guys. I love them. But I hate, you I know, hate almost let's, all of Let's stuff. be honest. Not that great. Guys, tonight <laughs> on the show, we're going to dive into this. I have not opened this bottle yet. The Folks, goat. The goat. The prideful goat. We are going to dive into this um, six-year-aged straight rye whiskey cask strength baby that's the kind of stuff that i look for cask strength with our guest tonight on the show whiskey neats christopher hart christopher welcome back to smoke night live my friend how are you doing uh you know uh jordan's not the only one having technical issues but i'm glad to be here <laughs> you made it that's that's what's important made you it. made it christopher what are your thoughts on pink floyd I'm so glad you asked because I've been over here <laughs> scrolling through your Facebook. I have been friends with you since the last time I was on. It's, it's probably been three years, I think. Um, and this is not even top ten most controversial Eric posts. Like, <laughs> they're, 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 you've been one of the most uh, opinionated, fun follows for a while. Um, but also your take seems a bit of a stretch. Okay. Because Let me the, hear it. the statement, I'm, I'm here for it. The statement that most bands are known for three albums, I would go as far to say most famous people are known for like maybe three songs. Like, right? There, 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 there are people who've done much less and have become, uh, you know, reached legendary status in some regard. I can't name one Mariah Carey album. But I give two <laughs> shits. Wait, can I cuss on this? Of course. Can we cuss? Okay. You say whatever um, you want, Christopher. Say whatever. you TVM. Want. Yeah, if eighty percent of the songs came from three albums, I'm like, hey, that's 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 a that's a pretty diverse lineup. I mean, I I can think of, uh, oh, this is probably a stretch because I'm not super buff on them, but I'm a fan of Led Zeppelin. But really, yes. what one album, two albums? Right. But here's the thing, Christopher, and this is where the nuance of my and argument for stealing most of the first album. <laughs> <laughs> this is the nuance of this debate. The nuance is. Even the weakest. By the way, guys, get some of this prideful goat, uh, boys. Pour some. Christopher, Jordan. can you scoot to your right? A smogland. A yep. smogland. Yep. Yep. That yep. is, by the way, technical term. Technical term. There we go. All right. So here's yeah, the yeah. here's the nuance of this conversation, Christopher. You make a great point. Like three albums, three. In fact, one of those albums, Dark Side of the Moon, could be the greatest Top album, album of all time. Of yeah. all time, it was on the Billboard uh, 100. For like 700 weeks or some crazy thing like that, right? And it's my, it's one of my top 10 albums, without question. So yes, instantly Pink Floyd gets a spot just based on that alone. Like that's how good that album was. All I'm saying is, isn't it odd that most people don't realize how much music that they produced that wasn't even like barely listenable? Like nobody even sure. listens to the rest of it. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I I think it's a trope 
uh, from the 90s. I think most albums, most albums, all you could really hope for is one or two great songs out of a 12-song track, right? Like, can you can you name a single album that had six bangers in it? Like, half the album was amazing? I can't think of Any a, a single album. one. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Nirvana, right? Um, I mean... Uh, Modest Mouse. I mean, Nirvana, Nirvana's a good... Nirvana's a good response. Black okay. Keys. I, like I, I mean, I can listen to any Black Keys album pretty much, pretty much without I, fail, and I love ev- I, almost every single track. Like it's all, it's all good. White Stripes, okay. well, Manchester I, Orchestra. So many good stuff. I, 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 I would agree that a lot of those albums have great songs. I, I can't. I love the Black Keys. I'm friends with. Uh, they had a little bit of an alcohol issue. Of uh, my one of my closest friends growing up, uh, their first cousin. Uh, and helped the band when they were first getting started, and I love them. And I, I can't listen to every really album and say that I love every song. Yeah, I mean, I, that I would say that most not of not maybe my not every artists, maybe not every song, Christopher. But a lot. You mean like you, you pick, pick up almost any one of their albums, other than their like first two albums. You pick up any one of their albums, you're gonna have a good time. Okay, so let me then let me make the counter argument on yes. impact of songs. So, would you rather have an album mm. where seven out of twelve songs are like you said, great songs? I like them, I love them, but they never have the legendary, impactful status. You know, I found out recently, impactful is not a word, and I use it all the time. Uh, <laughs> th- th- That's th- an impactful word, three, man. Then, then three, uh, you know, Dark Side of the Moon alone. Would you rather have one of the greatest albums of all time yeah. based off a handful of songs or, you know, uh, not me- above average, great run of albums? I think you make a great point. Like, if I, if I was the musician, if I was the musician, I would rather have the Dark Side of the Moon, the legendary album that everybody... Uh, knows as one of the greatest albums ever recorded by mankind. That, I would much rather have that. But as a listener, as a listener, as a consumer, then I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm a little disappointed that they're just batting 200 out of 15. I mean, I listen to their catalog and I'm like, I'm, I'm in pain. I'm in pain until I get. And by the way, let me bring this one up real quick. People on that on that thread keep bringing up, oh, you're you're missing animals, the 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 CD animals, the album animals, guys. No, that is not a good album. There's five songs, Christopher, five songs, and two of them are one minute long. Two of them, so it's essentially three songs that are 18 minutes long. What record executive was like? I I, I imagine <laughs> it in my head that went like this, guys. You guys are contractually obligated to release an album this year. Like you, you got to stop taking acid and put out an album this year. And they're like, "Yeah, we've been noodling around f- with some stuff. We don't, we don't really have anything." Good, record it. I, just record it. Just record that. I don't care how long it is. Just, just get it on tape and record it. And that's what happened. Like animals. I'm sorry, I can't, I cannot put it in there as a good album. So I'm sorry, but Pink Floyd, I love them. They're canceled. They're canceled. No, um, Christopher, <laughs> yeah. it's been um, a few years. We had you on in April of 2019, had a great conversation with you. But since then, so much has happened. And one of the things that's happened, we're going to talk about first, is the release of The Prideful Goat, Your Rye. Let's talk a little bit about this release. Um, 
How did sure. this come to be? Like releasing a spirit is no easy task. Um, why yeah, did you decide no. to do it? How did you decide to do it? How did it come to be? So, uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the, I mean, you guys, I know, the, the, from concept to, to creation of Cigar Dojo, you guys have evolved over time with everything you've done, right? You've had to, you know, there's been some roadblocks, there's been some things that, some opportunities that just, you know, you jump on. And um, it started with, uh, it started with my own brand. So uh, uh, 2018, I started a independent bottling company called, uh, well, it's now called Gammon Spirits Group, and we bottled cognac and rum. Uh, I didn't want to touch whiskey because whiskey's a bit saturated and everyone, you know, everyone's doing whiskey. And uh, we ended up partnering kind of through fate uh, with Gulf Coast Distillers here in Houston with some 15-year-old liquid, some 15-year-old bourbon. And uh, it led to uh, an arrangement of, of, you know, a perfect, everything lining up just right. And... So we, we released, uh, I think, about 10,000 bottles of 15-year-old Kentucky bourbon, uh, the first iteration of the Prideful Goat in 2020. And, it, and then we were like, well, what's next? So I started making calls to broker friends of mine, and I said, what liquid do you have? Let's get some samples in. I want to try some things. And um, we came across some six-year-old rye, and we thought, baby goat. <laughs> I mean, the first one's 15 years old, so a six-year-old goat. And, and really, the, the, I think there's been a little confusion, which is understandable. A couple people will review the goat, and they say, is this the greatest of all time? And that's, that's the exact opposite of what we're trying to do with the brand. If you read the bottle, it's literally on the bottle. <coughs> the 15-year says, you know, don't take yourself too seriously. We're, we're not looking to come up with some bullshit story about my grandfather's recipe from the 1800s and it's really just source liquid from another distillery just enjoy it with friends enjoy it with the herd you know welcome you know prideful goat the whole the whole nine yards so we launched the 15 year and it was the cheapest at the time that i know of out of any other 15 year being released at the time we launched it at 100 bucks a bottle and uh part of that was really razor thin margins but the other thing was we were going through a clearinghouse uh, so basically, instead of going through normal di distribution channels, we used a distributor that would clear for a flat rate fee to a major chain. So it kept the price 100 bucks. But there was, as, as many people know, uh, within cigars or uh, liquor, there's a cry for supporting the little guy. So I said, okay, well, we can release to mom and pop stores, but the price is going to go up. And our price didn't go up. We didn't get any more money out of it. But... Once you throw it through normal distribution channels, it jumped to 125 a bottle. So 125 a bottle still, at the time, uh, was cheaper than the distillery we sourced it from. If you were to buy 15-year-old cast strength liquid from the distillery we bought it from, uh, it, they were releasing them uh, in a pretty fancy bottle for 150 plus. So um, I. We thought about what's next. Of course, the 15-year-old sold itself. We found some six-year-old MGP rye. Same thing. We just wanted an approachable pour at a reasonable price that was cast strength. Um, we went through, we bought 287 barrels, uh, which is enough for about 12,000, 10,000 cases, somewhere around there. Wow, that's a, that's a big release. Yeah, we went from 10,000 bottles to 10,000 cases, but our, our aspirations grew pretty lofty. We thought, well, let's, let's start hitting some states. We're in Colorado now. You can order through Momentum. 
Um, we're in eight states total, and we're about halfway through that liquid. We're about 5,000 cases in since we launched in December of last year. So um, it's just, I mean, it should be the least expensive cast strength apples to apples comparison out there. Um, you know, Sagamore cast strength rye is in that same vein, but it's about five years old. Um, Barrel has one for four years. It's a hundred bucks for some crazy reason. And uh, yeah, so we just, we wanted an affordable pour. That bottle, it looks good. It tastes good. You know, as long as you don't jerk people around with a bad price, they should be able to enjoy it. Did now, you say how much it is? That bottle in Texas sells for 60 but specs, Jeez. going back to sneaky chain accounts, specs got it down to $55 um, on our – we did a single barrel for a charity uh, sports thing, and uh, they released it for 55 But I've seen it as high as 75 75 is normal. That's kind of like the market threshold. You don't want it to go any higher than that. And, um, yeah, we just – today – you guys are the first ones hearing about it. We just bought 100 barrels of six-year-old bourbon. So we're going to do uh, a cast-strength bourbon, same exact price. And, um, you know, slightly different label, but it'll it'll have all the details on it, the char level, the mash bill. We try to be as transparent as possible. Um, you know, no garbage story. It's it's. We'll tell you where it's from. Just ask. Now, uh, Jordan, I got to say. I was just, we got to get into this because this is really good. We got to, I mean, uh, you guys, uh, the folks that are watching on Facebook and, and YouTube know Jordan and I are, are big uh, bourbon and rye guys, and we like our bourbon uh, and rye neat, and we like it strong. And Jordan, this is hitting on a lot of levels. This is no joke. Wow. Yeah, like the nose, even from the nose, it's got a lot of like fruit, uh, dark cherry, and there's there's some spice in there too. I was very impressed by the nose, but the on the palate as well, it's, it, it sinks in. It's heavy. It's got some weight to it. So it's got like the the viscosity of a bourbon that I would like, but in a rye, really good. Yeah, one of the um, – it's interesting. So there's two predominant notes historically that people get from MGP rye. That's either dill, which is very controversial. Some people hate it. Some people don't. Or bubblegum. And I get all bubblegum on that. Yeah, we uh, we think – our theory, because the you know if you're getting dill – and you're getting bubblegum, and they're both the exact same mash bill made at the exact same place, what's different? What's what's causing it? And I think it's the barrels. So uh, MGP is so large that they used to use just a couple cooperages, but now they're up to about a dozen. A dozen different cooperages, mm. and wood makes all the difference in the world. So it, to me, those are all bubblegum notes that I get on that. Uh, and we actually did something cool. We actually tasted through all 286 barrels, and we flagged about a dozen of them for single barrels that go as high as 122 proof and then the rest we broke down by distillation date so like the first batch the batch that you have every drop in that bottle was distilled on the same day mm. and of course blended and bottled on the same day uh and then we also broke it down by proof so every batch should see a slightly increased proof so 114.2 i think was the first batch uh, and I think we're now up to 115.4. So we kind of parceled it out into a slightly higher proof with each. Some some people love a, a big punch in the face when it comes to whiskey. Now, to your credit, um, you pretty much answered every follow-up question I had. Um, <laughs> in, in your, in, Show's over. Yeah, uh, in your uh, response, which is fantastic, by the way. Good for you. 
Um, but uh, one of the things I was curious about, because Jordan and I have we we worked a little bit on um, on getting a, a dojo bourbon at, at one point and um, we went to high west we went to the new distillery this is what, like back in the day when they were just opening up their brand 2014, new 2014 dist- 2015 yes yeah, this is a long time ago yeah, and um, you guys were ahead of your time but there was just so many you know in the cigar world um christopher to, to get to get a cigar you know you have the manufacturer blend it you know me and jordan come up with the the the, the graphics design the band design the packaging and then we release it, but in the spirit world, it's not that easy. Like the government has to, you can't just do a new bottle of spirit. You have to have it approved by the government. Talk a little bit about the challenges of having a completely branded, you know, spirit that is, is your brand and not just a, Hey, this is a barrel that we picked out from uh, Buffalo trace or something like that. There's, there's a lot more hurdles to go through to do what you've done here. Yeah. So, actually quite common. I mean, most, I would say most brands that exist out there, especially at places like Total Wine or Specs, uh, most of those brands are largely just owned intellectually, meaning they own the intellectual rights to the brand. They created the brand. They created the product. They, they partnered with the distiller. I'd like to create something. Uh, and some of them are borderline illegal. Uh, because technically a distributor is not supposed to own a brand. They're supposed to be a separate tier. But there's actually quite a few brands out there that are owned by someone who shouldn't own them. Hmm. Um, the way it works is is you can, uh, first of all, have a, a, a nice healthy check with you uh, in most cases. Right. Uh, you've got to purchase uh, quite a bit of liquid. But what you do is, is if you yourself aren't, in the future system, and I'm not. I try to stay out of the future system uh, because of my whiskey festival. I throw this big festival every year, um, and I can't take sponsorship dollars from all three tiers if I'm a part of any one of those three tiers. So what what we do is we we own the rights to like Gregarious Grump, and uh, we're coming out with a, another brand soon here, uh, a 90 proof whiskey, 95 proof whiskey. But uh, the idea is you partner with a distillery, you purchase the liquid, you have it transferred to a distillery, and then you pay them to bottle for you. Uh, most brands, it's called co-packing. Uh, it's very similar to like what you do where you pick out a blend, except you can own the brand. And I know you know uh, Chris Arolfo. Uh, what's the name of his brand? Uh, Cabal? Mm-hmm. Cabal Cigars. So Cabal, Chris Arolfo was a guy that worked at Smokering here in Houston for many years and then decided to purchase, uh, I don't know if he's still doing it, but he was, he purchased the tobacco, he paid someone to package it, designed everything, picked a blend. It's not just a single barrel pick. I, we, I literally do everything for the brand. Me and my partner, Randall. Uh, in fact, Randall this week's in Oklahoma rolling out the Prideful Goat in the market, doing dinners, tastings. Um, we do everything top to bottom. So it's, it's a lot. I mean, you've got to file federal label approval once you've got everything designed. And unfortunately, we decided to do all this in the middle of COVID. Mm-hmm. And so supply chain issues were an utter nightmare. And um, so we had to f- submit the label approval to the government. That took a few days. Uh, and, and then you've got to register it with the state. And you have to register it in each state, which is also a nightmare. And then, uh, yeah, just getting the corks in, the glass in. We had a cork shortage. We had to go to – I actually went to Austin for to a uh, – what do you call them? A trade show uh, for, for, for cork manufacturers. 
we we had the liquid, we had the glass, we had the labels, we couldn't couldn't seal them, and so we had to go find a label manu uh, a cork manufacturer. So it, it's it's a night it's a nightmare. It, it, from from concept to execution, it's about a year, sometimes fourteen months. Um, luckily, we've got it now where we we have the look of prideful coat. It's gonna keep that look. If we do a six year bourbon. Uh, it would most it would largely be a color scheme change with some updated information the new char level the new uh, mash bill information that sort of thing uh, but it could be done much faster now uh, but yeah about 12 to 14 months is, is what you're looking at now uh, I think a lot of people are probably wondering what you're smoking tonight uh, Christopher uh, what do you got fired up yeah. there I this is a my father uh, Le Bijou 1922 nice Um it's a solid smoke, uh, as hot as it is in Houston. A nice open draw is everything right now. I don't want to be sitting here trying to, you know, suck everything. <laughs> Working out on it, it's, yeah, right, right. It's, it's doing well. It's doing well. Uh, typically, um, just uh, you know, how into cigars are you? Are you uh, are you, uh, are you kind of a casual, three, casual guy? Three or? a week, I'd yeah. say three a week. Um, you know, it, I will say that if there's a poker game or if we're hanging out, it, I'm going to be chain smoking them. I, I, if, if I'm going to taint my body, my clothes, my beard, I know my wife's going to be <laughs> affected by it. Uh, I might as well go deep. So, uh, <laughs> I, as soon as I'm done with this, if we're still recording, I'll be lighting up a second one. There we go. All right. Uh, when we come back from the break, uh, we're going to get into, uh, Christopher's podcast, which by the way, is one of the, I think the two best, um, uh, whiskey oriented podcast that you can listen to. And we'll talk a lot about that when we come back. But folks, until then, uh, this show is sponsored by JR Cigars, one of the world's largest online cigar stores. JR's inventory ranges from everyday bundled cigars to incredibly high end boxes, plus a large selection of cigar accessories. Enjoy the best prices on your favorite brands, such as Romeo and Julieta, Monte Cristo, Crown Heads, Davidoff, and many more. Make sure to try one of their exclusive lines, such as the Drew Estate Nightshade, or the limited edition Cigar Dojo 10th Anniversary Champagne by Perdomo. Celebrate over 50 years of excellence and stock up on your favorite cigars today. Jordan, you can still get the Dojo oh, Perdomo baby. Champagne. Um, there's still, we made a, enough of these, I think, to last a little while. Um, but if you haven't got a chance to buy your box yet, go tonight and get it. These things are absolutely butterscotch. It is a brand new Vitola of one of the best-selling cigars of all time, a 6x56, so it's a little bit more filler, but it isn't crazy big like a 60 ring gauge. So I think you're going to like it. Plus, it comes in a really cool um, Cigar Dojo commemorative box because this is our 10th anniversary, Jordan. We've we been doing it up. this for 10 10 years. So snag a box and I don't forget if you order tonight on JR Cigars, use coupon code Dojo Love. It'll bring the box under $80. Like how can you go wrong eight under $80? You're 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 essentially making money at that point. <laughs> like tell your wife like we have to do this. It's like buying, you know, uh gold to put in our uh treasure chest and, and save it for a, a future date. Oh, I've got Bitcoin. Uh, no, I mean, bit, well, not right now, Bitcoin. I think people yeah, are a little... Yeah, it's time to buy it right now. Is it time to buy it right now? Yeah. Anyways, uh, grab another box. I think the folks that have tried it have uh, made their voices clear on the Dojoverse. It's a fantastic cigar. This is, folks, episode 342 of Smoke Night Live. We are chatting with Christopher Hart. We spent a good portion of the beginning part of the show 
talking about his uh, man. This whiskey's good. It, 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 look, holy guys, cow! I'd be the first to tell you. We had a show with the. Um, we've had a, a lot of. I mean, obviously, we've had 342 shows, and I'm never hesitant to tell you if it's not good, folks. This this is legit. It's it's legit. Or you might hear us say like. That's pretty good. It's interesting. Yeah, if I We're say, not going to say it's bad. If I say that, you, <laughs> you probably know, like, maybe it's not that great. This is amazing. Like, for one, it's got that strength that, that me and Jordan crave. So if you see Prideful 114, Goats. 114, that's that's like a perfect proof. Yeah, it Anywhere is. between 110 and, 20, and 120 for me, that's the wheelhouse. Right. That is that is definitely our wheelhouse. And it's not overpoweringly rye. Um nope. It's just, just enough to really kind of uh, grab your attention and say, oh, man, like, Get a little bit of that cinnamon. Um, Christopher mentioned bubblegum, which was a, a really interesting note that I think you might get out of it. But uh, give it a shot. You see it at your local um, your local brick and mortar. Uh, pick it up. Uh, Christopher, welcome back to the show. Let's talk a bit about your podcast. Like the Bourbon Junkies and Whiskey Neat, those are my two favorite um, whiskey-oriented uh, offerings. Now, what's unique about what you do, Christopher, is you have guests uh, – that aren't always necessarily in the industry. Um, and I like that. Like I like hearing from, you know, some of these, now some of these celebrities that you have on do have, um, projects, obviously Matthew McConaughey, um, Ian Summerhalter or, uh, yeah, Ian Summerhalter, Ian Summerhalter. Whoa. He, he's one of my favorites because I'm a big lost fan and he was on lost. Like I'm a big, I'm a big, I'm a big fan. Who's that? You know, Ian was. Um, he, remember, his, his sister was the blonde at the Vampire very beginning. Vampire Diaries. Um, uh, you, do you remember in Lost, <laughs> the, the kind of the preppy, the preppy kid with the blonde sister? Anyway. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. he was great. Um, but you've had uh, a bunch of like Colin Hanks was recently on the show. You've had William H Macy, Paulie Shore, Paulie. Um, Oscar <laughs> Nune- Nunez, and. Um, Kate Flannery from The Office, like, Jeez. you you bring yeah, in yeah. you bring in a, a really interesting sort of uh, array of guests. So talk a little bit about the show. Tell folks what it's all about. Well, first, I want to say uh, before the break, you mentioned that your two favorite, your one, my show was one of your two favorite, and I and I had a feeling you were going to say the Bourbon Junkies. Dan and Sean are great. I know they've been on this show before. Uh, in fact, I convinced them. And I think they will openly admit it to start their own brand, which they're working oh, on. Oh, wow. Uh, in fact, I might be speaking out of turn a little bit, but I know they've already purchased some liquid. Hello. So, uh, yeah, I, the junkies are uh, – listen, I, I know that – two things. I know everyone and, and their mom wants to start a whiskey brand, and I know that every celebrity wants to start a brand. Uh, but in the current environment, anyone who just cares is all I care about. Like as long as you're putting in the effort – and, I, you know, I didn't know who Ian Somerhalder was at first. Uh, my daughters did. My wife did. He was a Vampire Diaries guy. He was a, he's a heartthrob. Uh, clearly, my wife and daughters knew who, who he was, uh, him and Paul Wesley. And, um, <clears throat> but I, I've, he texts me all the time. Uh, he'll, he'll call me. He'll ask me, like, should we do this? They're wanting to do a single barrel program. They're wanting to do some, like, I've never seen someone care as much about like a celebrity actually care about the product. And, and you know, when he first came on, I said, look, I get it. Your, your first release is an 80 proof. It's, it's really not for whiskey drinkers. But your next release should be aimed at us. 
mm. and he just released a cast strength, and it's really good. It, it's rich in tobacco too. It, I, I love a good uh, pour that reminds me of cigars. Like if mm-hmm. you can really taste a tobacco rich liquid. Uh, so shout out to Ian Summerholder for for giving a shit. Um, same thing with Dan and Sean. Those guys are, are full of so much love. They're so likable. They're so personable. If anyone on YouTube should be starting a brand, even before myself, it should be Dan and Sean. Uh, those guys are great. And and you know I I forget what your original question was. Oh, uh, my show. No, so yeah, uh, I like um, the tagline of the show is spirited conversations with interesting people. Uh, so over time, it's slowly snowballed that we've gotten some pretty solid names. Alan Richson was just on. He plays Reacher in the new Amazon Prime show. Um, yeah, Colin Hanks was fantastic. Uh, but we just, it's spirited conversations uh, over drinks with very interesting people. And, and some of them are into spirits, some of them are not. Um, some of them, they wait until they're on my show and then tell me they're sober, uh, <laughs> which is always a surprise. Uh, but like, you know, Cyborg, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Ray uh, from the Justice League movie, he was on and had no idea we drank booze. And I'm like, your publicist didn't say something? <laughs> Uh, but we, but we, but we found common ground. We, we ended up talking about, you know, when, when he grew up very poor, and when he finally made it, you know, his first film was Justice League. Wow. Can you imagine going from from zero to millions of dollars in the bank uh, as he bought his mom a house, and just like so, we found that we found something to relate to other than booze. But um, yeah, it's just slowly turned into. Some really interesting situations, some fun conversations. Now, uh, you brought up uh, the fact that Ian Summerhalder is is he's he's invested, he's interested, he wants to do it right, and so we get the same sort of stuff in the cigar industry. Uh, sports figures, um, some celebrities. Jeremy Piven recently released the cigar, um, but one that sort of uh, that I'd like to use as a comparison is Guy Fieri. So Guy Fieri just recently came out with a cigar with Espinosa. And, you know, Eric tells the story all the time. Eric Espinosa tells the story all the time that when Guy Fieri uh, approached him about doing this project, Eric was like, no, it's not going to work. And Guy was like, why, why wouldn't it work? Like, and he was like, because ev- no celebrity ever like puts in the time to actually, you know, uh, promote the product after the product is out and it just dies on the vine. It's it's fun for that one release and then boom, that's it. And Guy was like, no, no, like I really want to like I really want to be a part of this. I want to do it. And so Guy Fieri has been involved. He was at the trade show just a few weeks ago at the PCA trade show hanging out. He's gone to events. He's seems to be invested in it now in the in the whiskey industry. Do you notice the same sort of thing? Like there's some people that I mean, you already mentioned Ian Summerholder, but um, a lot of celebrities maybe are they're just sort of like a name and they're that's as far oh, yeah. as they want to get with it. it it's the most common most frustrating thing out there i mean look I'll, I'll give a little shout out to the rock i mean listen celebrity tequila brands are largely extractive and they're very controversial in nature however uh no one has promoted the shit out of a brand more than ryan reynolds or the rock i mean ryan reynolds is interesting because Spirits go through. Um, I, mean, I, th- I think we had a we had a cigar boom in the '90s, right? And then it kind of floundered. Yeah. Well, and, now now we're sort of like in another kind of mini boom. Yeah. 
like yeah mini boom right so same thing so uh gin was everything in the 90s gin was all the rage canadian in the 80s you know everyone's dad drank seagram's in seven up or whatever i remember seven up uh, but, uh, in, in, in the 2000s, sex in the city made vodka popular. And then every Tito's was born from that. And every flavored you can think of, there's donut flavored, there's tobacco flavored. By the way, the dumbest idea ever to exist was someone saying, yeah, we should make a tobacco vodka. Hmm. Uh, but in the 2000, 2010s, we're in a, we're in a whiskey boom. Yeah. And so for, for someone like Ryan Reynolds to say, not only do I want to start a celebrity brand, but on a spirit that no one gives a shit about, is huge. Uh, the Aviation Gin has done surprisingly well, and tequila's getting, it's hitting that saturated level. You know, everyone's got a tequila. Uh, but yeah, there are a few people who genuinely care. I'll give Ian and Paul a shout out. Um uh, Sam Hewen from uh, Outlander really, really, really cares about whiskey. Uh, he came on my show and we drank through, you know, like Matthew McConaughey can't talk about anything other than wild turkey. So they told me, like, don't, don't bring up anything else. It's okay. <laughs> uh, but Sam gets on and we talked about everything. Uh, every single malt scotch you can think of that's worth talking about. We, we talked about my cognacs and rums. We talked about Piteful Goat. Um, hell, Ian got his hands on one of my shirts. I don't know how I got a hold of merch, but uh, yeah, it's it, people who genuinely care is all I care about. And Guy Fieri, to his credit, I have heard no less than a half dozen stories about how great that guy is, how human he is, how charitable he is, and how much he really cares about making something work. Do you have any uh, bucket list uh, guys that you'd love to have as a guest on your show that you, you know Ron are into? Perlman. Ron Perlman. All right. Ron, I I would I would give my I have four children. I'd give the one of the middle ones for a cigar with for a cigar with Ron Perlman uh, and have a few drinks. You know he, he's not he's not my political cup of tea, but uh, you know there there are a few out there that I just I would love the opportunity. Uh, I had a, a long conversation with Willie Nelson's publicist, hmm. and they were like, he's not going to drink, but he'll smoke. I'm like, I don't smoke and. ESPN's not going to let me smoke in the studio, uh, but I would film that in a like in a closet somewhere just to be able to smoke weed with Willie Nelson. Um, <laughs> I asked Betty White to do it, and then she died the next week, so that, oh, that didn't work geez. out. Way Don't, to go! Way um, to go! Way to go, Christopher! Yeah. <laughs> you blew that one. Uh, I mean, yeah. So there's, there's just some like uh, oh, another one. Uh, this one actually forced me to change my pitch. So whenever I approach his publicist or a publicist approaches me or whatever, whatever, however that plays out. I used to pitch it as it's a show where we drink whiskey together. And so I approached Jeff Bridges mm. publicist and I, I would love to sit down with Jeff Bridges. And she said, he's more of a white Russian guy. <laughs> and the way, the way this works is they're not going to reply a second time. It, it was, it was basically saying, no, he drinks, he's a vodka guy. And I, I was like, I drink vodka with them, like, and they're like, nah, they just stop responding, right? Like, so I, you've, you've got, you've only get one chance with some of these people, you get one request, and it has to hit them just right. And I feel like I forever lost, lost Jeff Bridges over it. 
Have you ever, have you had any like a nightmare uh, interviews where you're just like, why, why, why did I get this guy on the show? Besides me and Jordan, of course. Yeah. Uh, but other than us, uh, have you had any that you can think of that you're just like, well, oh man, this is just like not a good fit at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I mean, today was a rough one. Um, I interviewed someone today. Uh, we're, we're, we, we still have to air it, so I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> uh, I think we'll, we'll be able to figure this one out. Uh, I mean, the Justice League guy, uh, although we connected, it was a very rough interview. I think I found out later, actually I found out he had already agreed to do the interview. And the moment someone agrees, it's research time. So you start looking into them up and down, what topics to avoid, what topics to discuss the whole nine yards. And I found out that... Uh, I don't know why his name is blanking at the moment. His name is. This was today. Christopher, this was no, today, no, 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 and you no, can't no. remember his name. Oh, just for oh, okay. Justice League. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> it was a Justice League guy. I interviewed him the the same day as I interviewed Kate Flannery and Oscar Nunez. All right. Uh, but the, he was in the middle of a controversy where he accused, uh, I guess, Disney or uh, W. Uh, yeah, was it? No, it's not Disney. It's WB. Okay. Yeah. Whoever whoever controls the DC universe, he accused the director of being racist and violent and wow, basically trimming out his role. And I kind of walked into that, and I'm like, but he already agreed to do it, and so he came in with a wall up. <laughs> ah. uh, it was kind of like William H Macy when they agreed to do it. They uh, his publicist called me as we were pulling up to William H Macy's house, and I was like, that's weird. Please tell me he's not canceling. We're literally pulling into his driveway. And she's like, hey, um, just to be clear, don't bring up his wife's college scandal thing. Oh, right, and I was right, like, right. I, have, I, I have no intent. It's pre-recorded. I have no intention of going to his house and then confronting him about his wife. Thing <laughs> against, you know, so uh, that'd be pretty cool if you did that. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So, so I, I, we almost couldn't air the Justice League one. It was a very rough interview because he was very guarded. And it wasn't until after the cameras were off that he finally opened up a little bit. Now, um, getting into the the, the whiskey um, industry, um, why is it? Are, and this is a two part question, Christopher, and you can take these however you want. Um, a, uh, what what regions are finally starting to produce good bourbon besides Kentucky and? Why is it so hard for other regions besides Kentucky to produce really good bourbon that it that doesn't taste overly corny, corn flavored? Like, what is it about Kentucky that they do so well? And are there some regions that are now like finally pushing past that and that we can say like, oh, OK, like Texas whiskey, Texas bourbon, super good. Like, like give us a little uh, what you think the reason is why Kentucky sort of dominates this field so 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 much i'm so excited to answer this question <laughs> the moment you started the moment you started asking it i was ready to scream i'll tell you exactly the issue and it's so glaringly obvious that and it's, it feels like no one's really paying attention to it so the answer in short is indiana and kentucky are the only ones consistently still doing it well specifically whiskey there are some regional areas that are good. Like I enjoy, um, 
what's that company out of Seattle? Uh, up in uh, it's a single malt company. Uh, Westland. Westland makes good whiskey. There's some people in Colorado that are doing it okay. But a, a big part of it has to do with uh, a, co a couple things. First, it's barrels. Uh, Gulf Coast in Houston, the company that we do our uh, bottling with, with Prideful Goat and with Gary, they just got caught a, a cut off from their cooperage. Uh, Gulf Coast is the second largest distillery west of the Mississippi. They're huge, 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 huge company. So for them to get cut off from barrels means even smaller guys, which is basically almost everyone else in Texas, means that it's, it's hard to find good barrels. Everyone's having to settle on shit from some, you know, Zachary Cooperage or uh, there's one in West Virginia that's just absolutely awful, uh, where they, instead of doing uh, dry aging the staves or seasoning the staves for 18 weeks or sometimes 18 months, they're now doing it down to a few weeks, or some of them have started microwaving the staves, or basically infrared toasting um, to help dry out the staves. It's all cutting corners, right? right. So they're you're using inferior wood. But the big thing, the obvious thing, is what are you cooking with? Now, I don't know how big you are in the barbecue, but people in, in barbecue have a lot of strong opinions on Traegers, on uh, you know uh, Easy Bake Ovens, as they may call certain pellet grills. Um, every one of your favorite bourbons, Weller 12, Pappy, all of them are made on column stills. They're high distillation proof. Column stills are about a thousand times more efficient than a pot still. A pot still, let's say you got a thousand gallon pot still, you're going to yield 10 to 15% of that, that might make it into the barrel. So a thousand gallon pot still, you're going to get maybe 150 gallons that's maybe three barrels worth and even then most pot stills average distillation proof is actually below the 160 limit for for bourbon so the lower the distillation proof the more flavorful your spirits gonna be the more oils the more fats the more solids all your congeners so as you go down like if you if I love mezcal I love Satol uh, that liquid is usually under 100 proof distillation right you can have a real low distillation proof so all you have is an unaged, super flavorful white dog. Slow, slow me down if I'm talking to you. No, much. you're good. <clears throat> very, very excited. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, column stills are about a thousand times more efficient. Every drop gets used. There's no cuts that need to be taken. And you tend to have a much more stripped, cleaner spirit. So, unfortunately, as I love to say, bourbon is boring. The actual making of bourbon is basically making a medium well steak every time consistently without, you know, who doesn't love a medium well steak? It's great. Mm. Pot stills tend to be lower distillation proofs and it tends to be an average distillation proof that, that you know, oh, we hit the 160, but really we were averaging 130, 140. So what happens is, is if you take a very flavorful spirit and a brand new oak barrel, you put them together, they're gonna scream at each other for five years. All your favorite bourbons are a very stripped, weak spirit in a new barrel and let the barrel do all the talking. Mm. All your favorite pot still liquids, single malt scotch, cognac, uh, uh, rum, they all use used barrels. So you take a very flavorful pot still spirit and a weaker barrel and perfect marriage. But if you have a loud person and a loud person just screaming at each other for a few years, they tend to clash. It's like I love 
I love steak and I love ice cream, but I would be very upset if you covered my steak and ice cream. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. So no one, everyone in Texas bought pot stills, except still Austin did, but they're still doing lower distillation proofs. So if you ask any Texas craft distiller or any most craft distillers, almost all of them either have a pot still or a pot and column blend. Uh, none of them are using exclusively high distillation proof column stills that distill to 160. And so you have a very, very, very oily spirit that might be good on its own. Um, but all of your favorite bourbons, Maker's Mark, uh, Four Roses, all of them column still. All let the wood do all the talking. Interesting. Now, if if you were the doctor, right? You're the doctor. And and I am the I'm the bourbon industry, and I'm the patient. And I come into the doctor's office, and I'm looking for a checkup. Where are we right now? I, and I'll I'm I'm gonna help you with this question. Uh, you, you know, Jordan and I we've been big bourbon guys for years and years. And there was a time when you know we could get Pappy off the shelf, or we could at least we could at least wait in line for it that morning. Um, uh, getting the antique collection was maybe tricky, but um, it was doable. Um, but then, you know, for the last six, eight years, it's been, it's been rough. And I've, I've kind of gotten to the point where I'm, I'm disinterested in the chase. And I, now I just try to get like, um, you know, certain old foresters that I like old forester 100, it's easy to find on the shelf, uh, those types of things, because I've, I've, I've become so disinterested in this whole chase for it. Where are we in this crazy bourbon boom? If, if, if you were the doctor and you had to give me a prognosis, where, where are we right now? Eric, you're, you're, you're asking all the right questions, buddy. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm, uh, so I'm in the middle of writing a paper with uh, this guy, Nico Martini, who's an author uh, for American Whiskey Magazine. And again, you guys are the first to hear about it. So what we're doing is there's, there's something happening right now that no one's really talking about that absolutely is going to benefit you guys eventually. Mm. So we're, we're getting to a fix. We're, we're, we're catching up. But we're about to hit that bubble. That bubble's going to happen. And the bubble is this. So when we bought the Prideful Goat Rye Barrels, we bought it for X amount of dollars per barrel. But this is the beauty of barrel buying. It doesn't matter how much liquid's actually in the barrel. When you call a broker... Uh, when you call, it's like he did some research. That's funny. Uh, when you call a broker or when you talk to a distiller that has both barrels that they need to offload, you get a mash bill. Sometimes you'll get a cooperage. You get an age and you get a price. And some of those, our, our first 300 barrels of the rye, 12 showed up empty. Mm. We don't get a refund for that. We don't get a credit for that. You're buying a barrel of whiskey and everyone knows that barrels evaporate at different levels. So, what you have created is the cryptocurrency of, of whiskey. And there are all these investment groups that have started buying into barrels. Hell, the master distiller at uh, Firestone and Robinson, by the way, the number one distillery in Texas by far, they create TX Whiskey, which is, uh, but they do 100,000 cases. It's a success, even though I want to shit on it. Um, because they use flavor packets, it's mixed with vodka, it's, 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 it's something that hurts my feelings. But um, they're successful. They're 100,000 cases a year. 
uh, he left the most successful distillery in Texas to join an investment group. Well, what does the investment group do? Well, it's very simple. What they do is they come with a big fat freaking check and they go to a distiller like MGP and they do a contract for new fills. It may cost them $600 to fill an empty barrel with new make, brand new barrel, no age on it, $600. All they have to do is wait four years and it's now worth $3,000. Mm. And, and so your $80,000 investment for a thousand barrels is now worth Um, and all the, they don't even have to take ownership of the barrels. What happens is, is MGP will store them. If you contract a still with someone like for, for roses contract a still for bullet for a long time. If you contract a still with them, then they will store it for you for a fee. And then when you sell it to someone, they'll just transfer it to them directly. You never actually have to take ownership of, you just give them money for a while like a savings account, and then they say, you own this amount of Bitcoin. And whenever you're ready to sell it, you can sell it. You never actually have to own it. Mm. So how does and that how's that going to help ha- us? Yeah, well, I'm getting to it. Okay. So it's unsustainable. Hmm. And when I, when we bought the, the six-year-old barrels last year, it was at the height of both Bitcoin exploding as well as this practice exploding. And I contacted uh, MGP asking them for, you know, what barrels do you have available right now? We need more. And he goes, uh, well, we have seven-month-old barrels. Keep in mind, they go to six-year. They have seven-month-old barrels that were 30% more expensive than the six years we bought last year. Which means that we would have to release a $100 bottle on the shelf that was seven months old. Mm. And no one... In their fucking mind is gonna buy that. Would you guys buy a seven-month-old whiskey for a hundred bucks on the shelf? No. no. So what happens is all of these investors are about to get a cold drink, of, a splash of water in the face. <laughs> okay. That bubble, that that bubble has to pop. But even if they're even if they hit below projections, let's just say it it, it won't actually sell to a distillery for that much. Eventually, that price has got to come down, like gas prices or anything else. So it will still be worth more than what they put into it, but it's going to force them to sell it at a manageable, usable rate. And today, we bought 100 barrels of six-year-old bourbon for the same price as we bought the rye last year. So it seems to start start settling because in January of this year, we got a price on six-year-old barrels, and they were uh, about twice what we paid last year. So the, the prices are starting... To settle because you're going to get this glut of liquid that stops at the wholesale tier or the um, uh, the brokerage tier. It's never going to make it to it. No distiller is going to buy seven month old liquid for that price. No consumer is going to buy it. So you got there's the stop gap that's happening that that is going to force prices back down. So uh, my point that I'm getting at is that we are starting to see a glimpse of hope of more and more liquid becoming available at a reasonable price so you don't have to wait you don't have to stick around much larger quantities i mean last year we were lucky if we sold 20 barrels of bourbon at that price um it's still moving crazy i mean uh we heard about the barrels three days ago and there was three times the amount available three days ago and it just sold like that so you're starting to see it it lighten up a little bit so that you won't have to 
be disenfranchised, or what's the word? Not disenfranchised, but disheartened. Uh, right. You know, by the the lines and the taters. Now, what about um? Now, so that's sort of like the um, that's like the inside baseball, behind the scenes sort of stuff, which is amazingly uh, interesting. By the way, thank you for that. What about the consumer? So, so through COVID, um, through the COVID pandemic, uh, cigars went through another boom because people were home they could smoke more cigars and so they were buying more cigars and so there was there's right now there's still this um you know there's there's a real pressure on the industry to to bring more products because people are still i'm i'm assuming this is going to start to to tail off as as all that stuff goes away what's the consumer um side of this what's the consumer appetite for bourbon are they are they, is it sort of, is it starting to ease or are they still in this craze of, you know, trying to get every, uh, bottle of bourbon they can and you can't get a bottle of pappies unless you spend, you know, $4,000 in the, in the black market. What's the consumer side of this? So the consumer side is starting to settle to a more reasonable level. Uh, before people would say the bubble is going to burst, they were referring to the fact that releases were getting younger and younger. There's a lot of four-year-old releases that were going for hundred bucks, and the the Eric's of the world, the Me's of the world, were like, "No, this is ridiculous. I'm not paying hundred bucks for four-year-old liquid." And it's starting to become a bit more. Um, all the tater stickers, all the wax dips, all the all that stuff that went the commodity aspect, uh, the the novelty aspect, not commodity, the novelty aspect of it all is starting to slow down quite a bit. However, the demand for bourbon hasn't. In fact, for the first time in Total Wine's entire existence last year, they were 50% spirits, 50% wine. The vast majority of Total Wine's business has been wine. And Last year, they'd sold so much in spirits that they have started heavily investing in expanding that. Um, so we're getting to a point where there's less tater stickers, there's less wax dipping, there's less aftermarket hype and excitement, and more regularly available, reasonable products. And I hate to plug myself here, but the Prideful Goat is a perfect example of that. It's a reasonably priced, no hype, you know, we there's no... We spend zero dollars on marketing. We're not trying to convince you it's the next greatest thing. I saw some absolute heinous uh, Kansas City whiskey ad on Facebook yesterday that not only did the bottle look like garbage, but it was four years old. It was $120. Uh, but they were saying that what makes them special is they use unfiltered, unroed reverse osmosis filtration uh, water to cut their spirit down to like 90 proof. And this is that's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. That's like saying, <laughs> hey, I made your dinner tonight. I made your dinner tonight without washing my hands first. Mm. The entire purpose of filtering out water, tap water, is to remove all of the uh, altering mineral content. The most tap water, I love Ozarka. Say what you will. Spring water Ozarka is probably like around 30 uh, parts per million in terms of solids. So water, spring waters and mineral waters are measured in dissolved solids, TDS, TDS. Your total dissolved solids in something like uh, Ozarka spring water is 30. Now, those dissolved solids are good things uh, like silica or things that are good for your skin and hair. 
the, the total dissolved solids for tap water is usually about the same, around 30 parts per million. But it's the bad stuff. It's like rust and diapers and, you know, baby wipes. What, like, it's like all the shit that makes it through the tap water system that doesn't quite make, you know, get filtered out. So they're basically saying, instead of cleaning our water before we cut your whiskey, we, we, we put dirty water in it. And I, I, and they're charging 100, 120 bucks for it. I'm like, that's the most offensive. Like, spit in my food and then charge me more for it, you know? Now, I don't, wanna, I don't want to alarm you, but I think there could be somebody in your house stealing all of your stuff. I've seen at least two or three people in there, like, taking stereos out, maybe <laughs> taking a... I told you I had a wife and four kids. Yeah. They're, they're everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you've... I tip if we if this was shot during the day, we'd be doing it in studio. So I apologize for my no, own no, stuff. No, no, I'm not just teasing. Glorious. What? Explain to people what a tater is. Oh, okay, so tater's good and bad. It's 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 a catch-all term. It can be used derogatively. It, tater's like the word fuck, right? Uh, if you say you know fuck, man, I love you. It's it's a positive thing. If you say you. Fuck, it's, it's a bad thing. Um, tater can be used positively, but basically the term refers to all of the things you get excited about when you first get into the hobby, which I'm sure there are cigar taters, right? Um, when you first get into the hobby, you buy whiskey stones. When you first get into the hobby, you start an infinity bottle. When you first get into the hobby, you start collecting all the Blanton's horses. There are things that you do that are part of the excitement of first getting into it, and we all go through it. I've, I've, for a long, I still have a, a Booker's collection where I would collect each Booker's release. And, uh, you know, we all have tater traits. It can be used negatively. Um, you know, there's some people who will, uh, we, we had an issue in Houston uh, two, yesterday where Specs released all the Weller 12. And Specs doesn't announce it. So employees tell their friends and they tell their friends and they start lining up and, uh, 9 p.m. the night before they open, right? They start lining up 12 hours, 13 hours before the store opens. And there's no there's no way to know how much they're going to release. So you could have 150 people waiting outside, and there's only 50 bottles. And there was a, a knockdown, drag-out explosion by some guy who was pissed that he waited all these hours. He starts berating a, a, a poor girl who's there, you know, she works at the liquor store. She's just doing her job, and he's convinced she's lying. And he's hiding. that guy's a tater. He's a turd. I mean, so a tater can be used to describe someone in a negative way, someone that is that obsessed and willing to, you know, berate someone over it. But it can also be used to someone who, you know, uh, when you waxed it, when you hand wax your own bottles, and then you sell it online for more money, as if it's some sort of limited edition thing. That's a, that's a bit of a tater move. You're really just trying to cheat the system and make more money on flipping your bottles, which is a bit taterish. Um, waiting all that time in the store, uh, in line, to buy the bottle, and then as soon as you get in your car, you take a picture of it inside your, maybe it's a nice car, maybe it's a Lamborghini, and they, and they, they make sure they turn the wrist the right way so the Rolex is showing, and the bottle's conveniently positioned in front of the Lamborghini logo on their steering wheel on the BMW logo. Like, that's a bit of a tater move like you're really just trying to tell the world you're awesome you know gotcha okay all right yeah I've, i see that a lot on the uh on the bourbon and whiskey forums and stuff and facebook groups and whatnot um 
First, I gotta apologize here. I gotta apologize here. We've already gone way longer than I I told the you. People that want it. We were gonna go, the but this has been such a <laughs> such a great show. Um, let's let's pick some winners, uh, Christopher. We had a contest okay. all week long. Um, this is gonna be random, so you don't really get a pick. I'm sorry, but you get a you get to participate, Christopher. Uh, so the, the dojo grows exponentially every week, and um, every now and then we like to go back and be like, hey, like. There's so many new members. Let's get to know everybody. And so this week we had a hashtag hi, my name is contest. And there was literally hundreds of entries. And it's so great. Like you get to find out like, oh, this I didn't know this guy did that. Like I didn't know about this guy or that guy or this girl or whatever. And so I've picked um, uh, 12 finalists and then we'll pick a random winner. I have a random uh, generator up on my screen. But Jordan, let's go through them real quick. We'll share them with Christopher. If anybody has any comments on these. Um, they're all really, really good. So uh, let's go ahead and start with the first one, Jordan. What do we got? This is uh, the WB. Um, check this out. He, the WB, Wayne Brock, was part of the world record 144-person team to set a skydiving formation record. Jeez. Now, this dude is like, by the way, Wayne Brock is like 6'7". He's huge. Oh, yeah. Um, so he was literally in this group. This is an amazing. Like the- yeah. It's like a, it's like a he, quilt. He- he looks like he's probably that one in the bottom left. You can see that there's a really <laughs> yes. big guy in white. In, in the white? got to be it. That's what I yeah. said. WB, let me know if that's that's you. All right, so that's an amazing entry. All right, Jordan, what's next? Uh, this is uh, the Nads. Jordan, can you read that for me? That's um, I won the Harry Man contest three times on three separate Carnival cruises. The Harry Man. Now, by the way, the Carnival cruise, I've been on two of them myself. It's literally the Walmart of cruises. <laughs> So this is a uh, this is a fantastic <laughs> entry. If you won the Harry Man contest on a Carnival cruise, you've essentially won the People at Walmart contest. Yeah, so. I think I, I think it. I've seen him at Walmart. Shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, what's next, Jordan? We've oh this one. This is Tanner Cole. All right, check this out. Hi, my name is Meet Harlow, aka the Rocky Mountain Dojo, Dojo Festival baby conceived behind Dojo Studios. Now. All all comedy is based that guy on just one. All comedy is based on some truth, <laughs> and I think there could be some that this baby may have been conceived. Well, yeah, they literally told us that was going to happen, and then it did. They conceived this baby behind Dojo Studios. I think it was after the cornhole tournament. <laughs> nobody nobody noticed that uh, that uh, Stephanie and Tanner snuck off, but. Um, <laughs> Anyways. I'm going to avoid the, the obvious joke uh, about cornholing. But, yeah, so, yeah, they, they definitely deserve. <laughs> All right, what's next, Jordan? Oh, check this one out. Look at this dude. I've been uh, smoking cigars for the past 15 years. I've worked in EMS for 20 years. Hazmat 13. Dojaverse helps me distract my mind. Check out that costume. That uh, Not a costume. That's his, that's his, his work uniform. Thank you for that, uh, Stogie Nut. That's awesome. Let's go to the next one. Uh, check this. All right, Steven. Native American style flutist, and I'm a composer and performer of Native American flute. Did anybody, did Christopher, did you know that there was such a thing? No, uh, but that picture is a lot to process. <laughs> is that is that uh, sage or rosemary in the? What is that hanging from the? Who I, knows? But it's I, provocative. I don't know, but I love it. Gets the people going. Thank you, Something Steven. about it makes me want to smoke it. Uh, this, this is awesome. It's got. It, it, I feel like that's from a, mo- uh, so from a movie, but it's not, and, and that's amazing. Anchorman? But, yeah, maybe. Thank you, Steven, for that. All right, what do we got? This is um, uh, Ryan the Jeep. Um, 
He's a locomotive engineer. How many people, Christopher, when you're when you're five years old and you say like, I want to be like the in, you know, I want to be an engineer of a, you know the uh, the engineer of a train, and he he he, he, is. he did it. He he made his dream come true. That's awesome. What did you want to be when you were six? What did you want to be when you were six, Christopher? You know, it, it's amazing. I I didn't know what I wanted to be until I stumbled into whiskey. I mean, I I, I think I I may have told you the story before. Cut me off if I have, but I I always wondered. Like I, I was one of those people that when I went to college after high school, I didn't know what I wanted to be. I couldn't figure it out. And I started dating this girl, and her father hated my guts. And one Christmas or thanks, I can never remember if it's Christmas or Thanksgiving, but I bought. I heard he likes scotch. I brought a bottle of Lafroy to the family gathering, and uh, I won him <laughs> over that night. Yes, and uh, and it and I ended up marrying that girl. Sixteen years later, uh, my wife and I got into whiskey together. We went to Scotland after our wedding. Like whiskey has become a big part of my marriage. It's the whole reason why I finally won her father over, and now I'm definitely like the the uh, uh, steps. Like I'm out of all the bro- there's five sisters, five husbands. I'm the favorite. Yes, uh, and it's all because of whiskey. So I, I didn't figure it out until I was 28. All right, well, that's pretty awesome. All right, Jordan, what do we got next? This is uh, this is Rhett Leo. Look at this. I was born in 1955. Spent many of my summers at my grandpa's house on the Jersey Shore. This dude was a player. He was a player at like five. Check that out. He's like impressing the chicks yeah. at like five years old. This is amazing. Old that's, school. That old smile school. definitely says. Uh, I, I'm familiar with the female form. Oh yeah, yeah. I like this. That's good. All right, what do we got? All right, check. All right, here we go. This is Randy. She goes hiking with her cat. Now, Jordan, just last week, didn't we say, "Don't put cat, don't put a cat in the bag." Like we said, the cat is out of the bag because the, the, the cat's out of the bag. Why would you put a cat in the bag? Here, here we, go. we go. We finally found the reason why you put a cat in the bag. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Randy, for that. That's incredible. She goes hiking with her cat. Uh, I can't read that one. What does it say, Jordan? Uh, I am I'm a, a knife, knife enthusiast. enthusiast. Mm. Uh, I also use them. That's pretty cool. Uh, who's that by? Is that? Uh, that is Punish Punishkushner. All right, so thank Your you, for, thank you for that entry, my friend. That's awesome. It's a cool photo. All right, what do we got next? Look at I don't that can't oh, wow. be real. That is that real? That can't be real. Is that a? I, I can't. Is it what is that a redfish? What's the? This is no way that that's real. But it's amazing. Whatever it well, is, I, it can't be real. It's got to be real. No, it can't be real. That's, Look at the size huge. of that thing. Why would he show it? All right, who's that? Hawkeye? That's Hawkeye. Hawkeye. That's incredible. All right, what's next? All right, this is Alcoholic Rick. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's, he's riding a, it was like a penny farthing. Is that what that's called? Is that is that the name of that type of bike? <laughs> that's incredible. That dude, he he's he has like a bunch of those, and he rides them around. Like, that's pretty cool. Super cool. The guy dude. looks like he drinks gin. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like one of those old apothecary bikes. Yeah. All right, what's next? All right. Clint? I might be just a little redneck. Yeah, I think so. Thank you for that, Clint. That's a great entry. Is that it? We we got any That's more? That's the last one. That's the last one. All right. So there's 12 of those. I'm going to go to my random um, number generator. Um, I, I feel like it's going to be the train guy. Something. Something. All right. So here we go. Train I'm going to I'm going to generate the number one through 12. The number Jordan is seven. So count down from one to seven and tell us who the winner is. Rhett? Is it Rhett? Yep. Rhett Leo. Oh, man. Player at, at four or five years old. Congratulations, Rhett. You win 20 cigars from my humidor. 
I will uh, contact you offline and send you a bag of 20 cigars, premium cigars. Congratulations. Thanks to everybody participating. This is These are always the most fun weeks when we kind of get to know uh, some of the dojo people because there's thousands of people. And like after a while, you're just like, oh, there's an, all these new people and you don't really know what they do. So uh, it was a really fun week. Um, thank you uh, to everybody that participated. It was a lot of fun. Christopher, uh, I cannot thank you enough. What a, an amazing show. That was filled with tons of information. The the rye, my friend, wow. I, I kid you not, this is absolutely I a phenomenal it. release. You should be extremely awesome. proud, you my like friend. It. Oh, it's 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 got everything that I want in it's got the viscosity, it's got the strength, it's got the flavor. Folks, this is this is legit like Christopher, uh, you got you got to be proud of this release, my friend. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Um, I'll say that if you know, I know you guys have. Uh, what do you call uh, your members? Not cigar dogians. Dogenites. Uh, Dogenites. What's the uh, Dogenites. Matt, Matt, Matt Booth coined that. Yeah. We're we're in uh, California, Texas, Louisiana, Florida, Colorado through Momentum. So if you're in Colorado, ask your local liquor liquor store to just contact Momentum as our distributor. And uh, Kentucky with River City distri uh, dis distributing as well. So, um, yeah, look, I, I can't thank you enough. I, it's it's supposed to just be a straightforward, reasonable, full cast strength, unadulterated, beautiful product. So I'm glad you liked it. Oh, it's it's Jordan. What did you think? I mean, I uh, I mean, I I don't say I mean, I'm not the I don't know too much about the rye. You know, I'm more of a bourbon guy, but this is one of the better ryes I've ever had. It's absolutely. Well, we've got some bourbon coming, buddy. I'll send you some. Yeah, baby. All right. That's what we like to hear. Folks, uh, it's Friday night. We're hanging out. Wednesday, we uh, Flavor Odyssey returns. We're doing what, Jordan? What's the what's the segment called? We are on Destination Dominicana. Destination Dominicana. So we're going through four-week um, exploration into Dominican cigars and what pairs best. And so this week, we are focusing on the Fuente Hemingway. So Robbie and Randy, our hosts on Flavor Odyssey, are going to be picking their best drink pairing with the Arturo Fuente Hemingway. And um, do you have any idea, Jordan, what you think might pair well with uh, Hemingway? Hemingway! Uh, Old-fashioned? Mm, it's not a bad pick. I mean, obviously, you think of mojitos, you think of um, mint juleps, you think of that kind of stuff, but old fashioned could be a, a fantastic pick. So um, that's Wednesday. So make sure to grab a Fuente Hemingway, join the show, um, find a pairing that you think works well, and then we'll pick a we'll pick uh, an audience member that uh, did the the pairing the best, as well as picking between Robbie and Randy to see which one of those two crazy nuts. By the way, Randy's read this week, Jordan, off the charts. It was off the charts. He did the whole. He did the whole beginning section in um, Spanish, and it was, it was amazing. Uh, and then a week from tonight, uh, Rick Rodriguez. You guys know Rick Rodriguez from CAO. He's been with CAO for years and years and years, uh, recently retired from General and then started his own company, which is uh, West Tampa Cigar Company. So Rick Rodriguez will be on the show a week from tonight. Um, we'll be talking to him about West Tampa Cigar Company and starting a new brand and what that's like and all that entails from a, a legend, Jordan, in the industry. Rick Rodriguez is a legend in the industry. And boom, here he is starting a, a new brand 
He, what was, he was out of the industry for like what, like three minutes? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> he was out of the industry for like three minutes. Boom, he's right back in it with West Tampa. So that's going to be a ton of fun. Join us then. As far as tonight goes, guys, we're going to be doing this all night long. Get on the dojoverse.com with your phone. Check into your favorite cigars. Share what you're drinking. Maybe you got some prideful goat. Um, if you do, make sure to let us know because that would really be cool. If you haven't, uh, if you don't have that there, I recommend going out and get some because it's absolutely amazing. Uh, so check in your favorite cigars. Uh, share what you're drinking and do some hashtag now playing. What are you listening to tonight? We'll be partying all night long on the Dojo verse. Cornhole. Cornhole, whatever it takes. We're going to be doing it until next week. Remember, never hey, smoke no. alone. Hey, we'll see you guys next week. The Monte Cristo 1935 Nicaragua was one of the most highly rated cigars of the year. Expertly crafted by legendary blenders Rafael Nadal and AJ Fernandez, this cigar was blended to celebrate the 85th anniversary of the Monte Cristo line. It is hand-rolled using all-age Nicaraguan tobaccos exclusively from AJ's farm. This bold cigar is bursting with rich notes of chocolate, leather, a dash of spice, and a smooth, creamy finish. Enjoy one of the finest cigars of the year right now at jrcigars.com.